When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old U.S. of A., you might just think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 327 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view, mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program that hopefully will cause you to stop and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. It's July 16, 2020. I have a couple of questions for you. How many of you out there make $174,000 a year or more? How many of you can simply get together with all of your coworkers and decide to give yourselves a pay raise just because you want one? And how many of you are legally allowed to benefit from insider stock trading? How many of you are worth over $100 million despite making less than $175,000 a year? How many of you own a small business or have invested in small businesses that would allow you to secure a small business administration loan of up to a million dollars that you will never have to pay back? How many of you can call a military general and have a military jet shuttle you from Washington, D.C. to California any time of the day or night? No questions asked. Someone can do that. We'll be right back. This is the Truth Hurts program. Here's your host, Steve Z. I'm no big fan of government overreach, Democrat or Republican, and you all know how much I despise waste, fraud, and abuse in government, especially when a person elected to Congress who is supposed to be a public servant uses their very job to craft legislation for which that person and their peers can benefit, but you, the American public, cannot. The Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP, was designed so that businesses like Margie's Floral Designs, who makes wedding floral arrangements and funeral arrangements, can continue to employ her six-person staff during all the imposed shutdowns of small businesses during the coronavirus pandemic. Sounds like a noble cause. If her employees get laid off, the employees might be eligible for inflated unemployment benefits that are currently available, but old Margie, well, she would not be eligible for unemployment and would likely lose her business altogether. The PPP, you see, allows small businesses to apply for and receive low-interest loans from the SBA, the Small Business Administration. And if the small business follows those guidelines, keeps their staff employed, and keeps proper records showing they've done so, the business loan can be wiped out, forgiven, and the small business owner will benefit and get to keep their businesses open. But some in Congress have also personally benefited from the PPP, despite their large salaries and their investments. The president announced that the SBA and Treasury Department must disclose the names of businesses and officers of companies who benefited from the PPP in the interest of transparency. So today, for your listening pleasure, I provide you with a short list of some congresspeople who have personally benefited to the tunes of millions of dollars 
in SBA loans that they will never have to pay back, thanks to the widow coronavirus and the PPP. Representative Roger Williams, a Republican in Texas who owns auto dealerships and car repair shops, benefited. Representative Vicki Hartzler of Missouri, also a Republican, whose family reportedly owns farms and equipment suppliers throughout the Midwest, also benefited. Democratic Representative Susie Lee of Nevada was listed in the Politico report, noting her husband is the chief executive officer of a casino developer. Democrat Debbie McCursell Powell of Florida, whose husband is senior executive of a restaurant chain, also benefited as did the husband of naughty Nancy Pelosi, who reportedly has secured an SBA loan that they will never have to pay back somewhere between $350,000 and $1 million. Lawmakers told Politico that the loans were acquired through proper channels and part of their efforts were to keep their workers employed. Well, isn't that just special? I went to the Queen of Derry yesterday afternoon to celebrate my 100th episode of the Truth Hurts program to afford myself a sweet treat. Of course, the dining area was closed because of COVID, so I had to use the drive through window, which is always fun. There was a handwritten sign over the speaker at the ordering menu display that read, We would appreciate exact change and payment with all coins if possible due to the national coin shortage electronic payment preferred. The national what? Coin shortage? Hell, I thought it was a joke. I looked into the matter and found that the Federal Reserve Bank has established a task force to mitigate the efforts of low coin inventories caused by the, yep, you guessed it, the COVID-19 pandemic. They are paying 22 people to be members of a friggin' task force to look into why people are not using coins. The task force, comprised of government officials, business leaders, bankers, and others, have been called together to identify, quote, actionable steps that supply chain participants can take to address the current coin circulation issue, unquote. A task force! According to the Fed, as of April of this year, there were $48 billion of coins in circulation, and now that number's been reduced significantly. Apparently, people are hoarding coins. That's number one. Number two, people are afraid their coins might have a little COVID on them. Number three, people are afraid that the coins they receive as change might have COVID on them, and they're using electronic payments instead of coins, even on small purchases of less than a dollar. I can tell you that my three one-gallon jugs of coins is not there for hoarding purposes. It's not there because I'm afraid of COVID on my coins. My three-gallon jugs of coins is there because banks stopped taking loose coins. They want you to sit there and roll all your coins into these little paper tubes by hand. They have machines to do that for crying out loud. Then, when you take those little rolls of coins to the bank, you know what the bank does? They unroll them. They put them into their count, their coin counter because they don't want you to rip them off for that one penny you might have missed. And then they use the machine to re-roll them. Hello, banks. My time is valuable. 
coins are legal tender. Nowhere does it say I have to roll the damn things. There are winners, of course, in the coin shortage. First, Coinstar machines located in supermarkets will take all of your loose change and convert it into a slip of paper that you can take to the cashier, and the cashier will give you dollar bills. Of course, the Coinstar machine takes a cool 11% off the top, so you lose 11 cents for each dollar's worth of coins you put in. Secondly, the Electronics Fund's supporters, those angling for the cashless society, they will benefit, along with their companies who profit off of each electronic transaction. You may have noticed many businesses have a minimum purchase requirement for use of debit or credit cards. That's because those businesses get charged a percentage of the purchase for each electronic transaction. Grandma always said to save your pennies. I listened to Grandma. Now that I've saved all those pennies and want to turn them into dollars, there's a price to pay. I wish Grandma were here now with that wooden paddle to walk with me to the bank. Perhaps she could convince the task force to force banks into taking my loose coins without penalty. You're not going to like hearing this. After all, the truth hurts. President Donald Trump is being, imagine this, called out for his alleged support of Goya Foods. Goya Foods, a Latino-owned business, has come under fire by opponents of Donald Trump. The company sells a wide range of food products, from beans to grains to beverages to cheese to dairy products to canned meats and fish and olives and confectionery items and oils and frozen foods and rice and seasonings, even crackers and snacks and meatless black bean burger patties for the vegan crowd. A Hispanic-owned business, you would think in this day and age of we hate whitey, this company would be at the top of everybody's love list. But of course, in the current cancel culture where butthurt snowflakes who hate President Trump feel they can use their protesting powers, their rioting rhetoric, and their crybaby tantrums to shut down any business that they oppose, the Goya company has become a target of the anti-Trump crowd simply because the owner happens to support the president. In an NPR story dated July 10th, the biased public media outlet said, quote, Twitter users are calling for a boycott of Goya Foods, a brand most known for its Hispanic staple food offerings, after the CEO lavished praise on President Trump during his visit to the White House, unquote. The chief executive officer of Goya has been at the helm of that company since 2004, and he said the country was blessed to have Trump at the helm during a roundtable meeting with Hispanic business leaders and political leaders from across the country. Well, let's see. A Hispanic minority business leader meets with another group of Hispanic minority business leaders and political leaders at the White House. Sounds good. Minorities working with the administration? Sounds really good. Goya pledged during the meeting to donate one million cans of its food products to local food banks. That too sounds like a good thing. But since that nice minority man said something nice about President Trump. The Democrats went batshit crazy, 
and decided to punish Goya for supporting the evil Republican commander-in-chief. Alexandria Ocasio-Nutjob-Cortez and Julian Racist Castro both made rude comments, basically calling the CEO of Goya Foods a Latino version of Uncle Tom and called for boycotts against the Goya Food Company. Sorry. Of course, the very unpopular President Trump, a man with no followers at all, decided to pose with a few pictures of Goya products and a thumbs up and a smile. And again, the Democrats went batshit crazy. By the way, that boycott of Goya, it's not doing so well. Sales at Goya are through the roof. And perhaps a new group of white privileged Americans is learning to embrace Latin foods fostered by Goya Foods and Senior Donald. I personally love the Goya manzanilla olives and the black beans and the salsa and the tomato sauce and the wine vinegar. Imagine for one minute if the CEO of Goya was sitting at that large table in the White House with other Hispanic business leaders and Latino politicians. And instead of Donald Trump, the president was Barack Hussein Obama. Oh, I can see the headlines now. Black president and Hispanic leaders forge a new bond in the spirit of minority inclusion in their pursuit of the American dream. Hell, there'd be block parties in the hood and fiestas in the streets. Oh, well, what can you do? This next story, when the pendulum swings. In London, over there in merry old England, there's a report out about a sculpture of a Black Lives Matter protester that happened to magically appear overnight where the statue of a former alleged slave trader was destroyed and tossed into a river. Ah, poetic justice. The city of Bristol removed the statue of a black female protester with her fist raised to the sky that was illegally placed by BLM supporters in the town of Bristol just weeks after the BLM protesters removed the statue of 17th century merchant Edward Colston and tossed it into the river. Officials publicly stated that the BLM statue of this protester was placed without permission and there are processes in place to review and approve any new monuments. And those rules were not adhered to. Imagine that. A BLM mob illegally destroys a long-standing monument in one of their tantrums, then illegally erects another monument of some nobody in its place. Typical. I won't waste any of your time to discuss the subject of the new illegal statue or how they managed to install the new illegal statue in the cover of darkness like the cowards they are. I won't lend any credibility to the sculptor of the new illegal statue or the person depicted in the statue because that person is irrelevant. I'm just glad the city had the balls to allow the pendulum to swing the other day, uh, the other way for once and remove the new illegally placed statue. Good for you, Bristol. Jolly good. We'll be right back. says out loud exactly what you are thinking. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts program. And just when you thought things couldn't get any more out of whack, a new group called Black Guns Matter has emerged, promoting more gun ownership by blacks in America. 
The gun advocacy group Black Guns Matter is trying to change the debate around police violence and safety in black communities. Unlike most Americans, this is not true. This, this story says, unlike most Americans who say gun control laws should be stricter, Black Guns Matter founder Maj Toure argues that safety means armed self-defense. I take exception to the portion of that sentence that says, unlike most Americans who say gun control laws should be stricter, because most Americans really don't feel that way. Legal gun ownership is guaranteed by the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Anyway, back to the story. Black Guns founder Maj Toure says, When I hear unarmed black man, I'm sad because there should be no such thing as an unarmed black man. While many argue that the way to prevent violence is to have fewer guns, Toure says just the opposite. He says, I believe that more black people would be alive today if they were armed. He told this to Business Insider Weekly. So when I hear unarmed black man, I'm sad, he said, because there should be no such thing. Of course, what this genius doesn't realize is that when you are armed and you resist arrest, you could get shot by a cop. And at that point, you are armed. The cop is justified the second you reach for that weapon. And the result will likely be more dead black men and more dead cops. But perhaps Mr. Toure doesn't care that more black men might die. As long as more cops die. A recent Quinnipiac poll says as many as 52% of Americans polled said they will vote for gropey Joe Biden in the November general election as opposed to 37% who said they would vote for Donald Trump. I guess 52% of Americans polled want to see a major $4 trillion tax increase, a tax increase to all Americans. I guess 52% of Americans want to see a collapse in the stock market. I guess 52% of Americans polled want to see massive increases in unemployment. I guess 52% of Americans polled want to see more manufacturing jobs leave the U.S., and more manufacturing go to China. I guess 52% of Americans polled want to see the elimination of American jobs. I guess 52% of Americans polled want to see the new Green New Deal program of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I guess 52% of Americans polled want to see the elimination of gasoline and diesel-powered vehicles, and they want to see the end of the beef industry. Well, they're probably all vegans anyway. Tree huggers. I guess 52% of Americans polled want to see the poverty that will most certainly come as the result of electing mopey, gropey, sleepy, creepy Joe Biden to the White House. Well, what they don't see now, they will see later, as Biden's grip on reality continues to drop like a drunken teen's panties on prom night, whomever you choose as his vice presidential running mate will become your president in short order. The American people cannot be so blind as to not see the mental lapses of mumbling, stumbling, fumbling, bumbling, gropey Joe Biden. They can't be that blind or that stupid, right? Wrong. Remember when I said that if you think you are an average American, that means half of the people in the country are dumber than you? 
Half are smarter, but half are dumber. If you're average, that means half are smarter and half are dumber. That's what average means. So if half are dumber than you, and you add another small portion who are maybe smarter than you, but they're easily led or persuaded or coerced or threatened due to some mental lapse or cowardice or sense of guilt over their so-called white privilege, they will add to the number of the 50% dumber than you, and they will vote for the new dementia-in-chief, Joe Biden. What they fail to realize is Joe Biden is not a minority, so electing him will not relieve their false guilt, their false white privilege, or the stupid thought that they're doing something good. Electing gropey Joe Biden will most certainly cause a downturn in the economy. The major economics experts worldwide have already reported on that eventuality. Such a shame. Such a sham. We'll be right back. Sorry if you are offended, but the truth hurts. Here's your host, Steve Z. Remember when I told you that I felt most of the anarchy, the riots, and the protests were being orchestrated by professional anarchists in order to disrupt civil society? Remember when I told you that the protests may have started out as a cry against police brutality and killings of black by the cops, but larger forces have co-opted and corrupted those protests for their own nefarious purposes? Remember that? Remember when I told you about the well-placed pallets of bricks and the convenient availability of spray paint and glass bottles and pre-printed protest shirts and signs and hats? Yesterday on the program, I mentioned the new Occupy protest in Portland, Oregon. In a city with less than 6% black population, there's a growing sentiment within that small group of black protester ranks that their message is not being heard over the anarchists' calls for destruction. It's become a cycle of unrest, police response, and further unrest. Greg McKelvey, an activist and critic of the police response to the protests in Portland, say, quote, Each night's protest is now turning into a protest of the night before's police activity. And so when people say we want this to stop, it can't stop because today's protest is about what the feds or the Portland Police Department did yesterday. There's a battle we're having right now, a communications war over who's a good protester and who's a bad protester. And what the police and mayor are trying to do is turn the city against any people who are out there protesting, unquote. No shit. Some members of the black community, again, which make up less than 6% of Portland's population, say the continual clashes with police, including in a historically black part of the city, are distracting from the message they're trying to seek, which is racial justice. Ron Herndon, a prominent civil rights... So let's say that again. Ron Herman, a prominent civil rights activist, said, quote, It's very clear to me that this is not about accomplishing goals. This is about anarchy. And people are taking advantage of the demonstrations for their own reasons that have nothing to do with social justice. Any support you think you could get, you probably have lost from a lot of people 
because you have negatively impacted their lives, unquote. That's a very intelligent statement, Mr. Herndon. Business owners downtown near the protest site are concerned that people won't come downtown to support their businesses. You think? The mayor is torn between the desire to keep Portland together and to support the protesters. I guess he wants his cake and the ability to eat it, too. He wants his bread buttered on both sides. I guess he wants to make sure his house isn't destroyed, right? Police have arrested dozens of people, dispersing protesters with tear gas on several occasions. Federal law enforcement officers were sent in two weeks ago by President Trump to stop the unrest, and that has further inflamed tensions, particularly after one protester was allegedly critically injured when a federal agent fired a non-lethal round at his sick little head. Federal officers used tear gas again Tuesday night, the same day four of Oregon's federal lawmakers, all Democrats, sent a letter to the Justice Department and the Department of Homeland Security demanding answers. The mayor and police have repeatedly decried clashes as a destructive distraction from the BLM movement, and they make a sharp distinction between peaceful demonstrators and those hell-bent on engaging with the cops, whom the police call agitators. Other officials, including several city commissioners, have criticized the cops in Portland for being what they call too aggressive. Louisiana's Attorney General, Republican Jeff Landry, said on Wednesday that the governor's mask mandate and other public health ordinances are likely unconstitutional and unenforceable. He put out a nine-page legal opinion responding to inquiries from Republican state law makers and law enforcement leaders about mandates issued this week by Democrat Governor John Bell Edwards. Edwards announced Saturday that a statewide, statewide mask mandate and new restrictions for bars will be enforced amid surging coronavirus numbers. Landry wrote in his opinion, the governor's recent mandate does not appear to serve achieving any type of goal or mission in a manner consistent with statutory authority and constitutional provisions. Although the mask mandate and the 50-person limit in restaurants may be a good recommendation for personal safety, they may not be enforced with financial or criminal penalties, said Landry. Both businesses acting under the color of law as mask police and the actual police acting as mask police could face liability in court if individual rights are violated due to the governor's proclamation. You see, they can't make you wear a mask. It's unconstitutional. But that won't stop Democrat Governor John Bell Edwards from ordering law enforcement personnel, as well as the fire marshal, to enforce mask wearing. They said businesses who allow people in without wearing masks and those who violate the fire marshal's new code could be shut down, have their business licenses revoked, or face fines and civil penalties. Now here's my take. Since when did the fire marshal get to suddenly change the occupancy rules for a restaurant? He is the fire marshal. Occupancy rules are put into place for the safe evacuation of patrons and staff in the event of fire. He's not the COVID marshal, he's the fire marshal. 
so empowering the fire marshals in the various parishes and cities throughout the state of Louisiana and give them this sudden magic new mask authority is certainly unconstitutional. We'll have to see how all this pans out. And unfortunately, this is the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. We'll see you next time. Come on. You know you were thinking the same thing. The truth hurts. And that's about all I have to say on this topic, for now. Usually when all is said and done, much more is said than is ever done. But it is sometimes the doing that causes more harm than it does good. So go out and make a difference in the world. But whatever you do, make it a positive change, not a negative one. This is the Truth Hurts program, and we'll see you next time.